0: Welcome to the gymnast nutritionist podcast, a free resource for gymnast, parents, and coaches to learn to fuel the gymnast for optimal performance and longevity in the sport. I'm your host, Christina Anderson, and I'm a pediatric and adolescent registered dietitian, sports nutritionist, a former gymnast, a current nationally rated gymnastics judge, and a wife plus dog mom. I help gymnasts and their parents learn to fuel without the stress or overwhelm so that they can reach their big goals and dreams, both in and out of the sport. We want to help parents take a proactive approach to nutrition, and to do so, this podcast is all about Hashtag Real Talk, where we tackle tough subjects about nutrition, body image, and more in the sport of gymnastics. All right, let's dive in. You're listening to episode 37 of the Gymnast Nutritionist Podcast. Hello and welcome back. It's Christina Anderson, the gymnast nutritionist and pediatric adolescent registered dietitian sports nutritionist. If you want the the full technical title, there. Um, and today we're going to talk about something that I don't think is talked about enough, right? And that is how do you support your gymnast nutrition when they don't want it? Yeah, we get a lot of parents who are interested in working with us here um, through either our one-on-one coaching program, the balanced gymnast program. Um, but then they'll tell me that, you know, they can't because they need to get their gymnast buy-in or they want to make sure that their gymnast is taking this seriously. Um, or maybe they've discussed, you know, doing nutrition with their gymnast and they want no part of it. And this is a really tough subject because obviously you want to respect your child or teen, right? You want to respect their feelings and emotions and their autonomy. And at the same time, especially when we're talking about, you know, adequate fueling and under fueling and injuries, those are all safety concerns. And those are very different than you as a parent nagging your kid to eat the broccoli, right? Like that is, um, a would be nice, right? <laughs> Versus making sure that your gymnast is properly fueled so that her body can repair and recover day in, day out can support her training. Like I said, all of those are safety issues and really aren't up for discussion. So I want to tell you kind of two different stories from my own life as a gymnast. Um, one, which went really poorly for me in terms of uh, my parents, just letting me do my own thing. And the other story where I am super glad my parents stepped in, even when, um, I fought them and I didn't want support. So, the first story is I think about Whoa. when I was 16. Um, I was really struggling with food and my body as a gymnast, um, definitely had disordered eating. I had lost a ton of weight. Gym was not going well. I was injured. Coach had threatened to pull me out. Um, so, we saw the pediatrician and they were like, Yeah, you know, eating disorders are a really slippery slope. Um, we're going to refer you to the local eating disorder treatment center and you can, you know, meet there with a therapist, dietitian, whatever. So I, at the time was absolutely not about it. Um, Even the word eating disorder completely freaked me out. And even though I knew I was struggling and had a problem, um, honestly, it was just the, the stigma, you know, of even having that kind of label that I was just, you know, that was earth shattering to me. So my parents did make appointments for me. And I remember seeing the therapist twice And then through that I saw their dietitian twice and it was just not great experience. And it's not because, you know, these professionals were bad or whatever. Um, I do think that neither of them really understood working with gymnasts and working in gymnastics. I mean, it's certainly a whole nother culture. Um, and you really do need to know the sport and what gymnasts are going through to really give them the, the best care in my opinion. Um, But after those four sessions, I came home and told my parents that the therapist and dietitian were crazy. They didn't know what they were doing. I was fine and I didn't need help. All of that was completely wrong. I very much was struggling. I very much needed support with my nutrition and with working through, um, you know, some of the mental struggles or whatever. And I wish that at minimum they would have made me go try out another therapist and dietitian because I know if I had probably met someone like myself who was younger, who got gymnastics, who had the training and experience, um, I probably would have had a fighting chance for recovery at the time um, versus like 10 years later. And I don't fault my parents because obviously they did the best they could at the time with the information that they had. And I know for them that that whole situation was also just pretty wild. You know, It's really hard as a parent to watch your kid struggle with food and body, which is it's so esoteric, you know, compared to like a physical injury, right? Like a broken leg or something. And so, um, you know, I know that they weren't on the same page, you know, when it came to me and what was happening. Um, I think my mom was probably more like, yeah, she's really struggling and she needs support. But I was daddy's girl and dad was the gym dad. Like he always picked me up from practice, he took me to comps, He I'd done gymnastics a little bit in college, um, just kind of recreational. So we kind of shared that bond. And so part of eating disorders and disordered eating is there's often, um, kind of a level of deception. So I definitely had kind of had him wrapped around my finger and kind of had him fooled that I knew what I was doing with my nutrition. I knew what I was doing with all the extra training, even though I was like slowly killing myself. So, all that to say, um, that's one scenario where even though, you know, I was kicking and screaming and, you know, didn't want to go to the therapist and didn't want to see the dietitian and try to convince everyone I was fine. Um, I really wish that they had stepped in when I was really unable to make an appropriate decision for myself. And part of that was just, um, the immaturity of being a 16 year old, you know, yes, a lot of the gymnasts I work with at that age are incredibly mature, right? They act, well, beyond their years, but at the same time, like they still are young adolescents. And then when you pile onto that, just any sort of food or body or mental struggle, um, that's just an area where um, we all often need support. On a happier note, <laughs> another situation in my gymnastics career where I needed help, especially with nutrition and fought my parents and didn't want it um, was probably shortly after that experience. So I um, never did follow up with the dietitian or therapist. I certainly continued to struggle. I, I gained back some weight, um, but was still massively under fueling. Was still very disordered in my thinking. Really had body dysmorphia and was really just overall miserable and distracted all the time. Um, but part of the fallout from this under fueling is for several years I had had recurrent Achilles tendonitis, and it just wouldn't get better. We had seen like five different ankle specialists and had MRIs and x-rays, and no one could figure out the problem. And so, kind of at that point, you know, I already knew that college gymnastics was out of the cards because I could hardly train. Um, just did a lot of bars with no landings. Um, but at some point in all of this, and I again I had been in physical therapy for months and months with the same, you know, therapist my mom had rotator cuff surgery and the physical therapist that she was referred to for her shoulder, um, when she saw her and they start chatting. Cause you know, if you ever meet my mom, she's amazing. And I love her. And she, <laughs> her name is Kathy and you literally could call her chatty Kathy. Cause I feel like everyone just unloads on her and like tells them her life story. She's just one of those people that is so easy and comfortable to talk to. And so I think her first session with this physical therapist for her shoulder because it had frozen um from a prior PT after rotator cuff surgery. So this is the second one to try and fix it. So she starts talking to this physical therapist, Melanie, and finds out that she um used to be the physical therapist for USA gymnastics. She was one of the national team therapists. And, you know, they start talking. And so then when mom came home, she's like, Oh my gosh, I met this amazing physical therapist. She's worked with elite gymnasts. She knows gymnastics. Like you need to go see her for your ankles. And again, keep in mind I'm 16. Um, I guess I'm probably a junior in high school at this point. And I mean, this ankle thing had been going on for a couple years now. And that plus the eating disorder and all the other injuries, I was I was very burnt out. And I remember just being super rude to my mom and being like, no, like I'm not gonna go see her. That's a waste of my time. And somehow my mom convinced me to go anyways. And when I saw the physical therapist for the initial assessment, I was super rude. And I, I don't remember all the details, but like most gymnasts, I was you know pretty straight laced and very polite to adults. Like that's just how I was raised. So for me to be rude to a healthcare professional and probably like roll my eyes and not be super communicative um, was very out of the norm for me. Um, But I was struggling, right? I just, I was over it. I was so frustrated. I, you know, was like, why bother with someone else? He's probably not going to be able to figure it out. But sure enough, even with her initial assessment and like the first couple of things she did in that first therapy session, I remember that week being at gym and my ankles feeling slightly better. And come to find out, I actually just have like a, a mechanical kind of deformity, in my ankles and she figured it out and figured out how it was causing issues with mobilization of the joint, which then put all the load on my calves and my Achilles tendons. And so then that in combination with tight calves and short landings was just the perfect recipe for um, Achilles tendonitis that just was not getting better with kind of conventional therapies. And so um, that's an experience I look back on really fondly because I was a little poop head and I'm going to keep this like G rated over here. Um, so you know what I mean? But I was awful. Like I was rude. I was rude to my parents. I was rude to Melanie. I didn't want to go, which again, I mean, it, it makes sense. Um, yet if I hadn't gone to her, I never would have gotten better. Like I would have finished my whole gymnastics career, never, you know, learning what the issue was. Cause again, like none of the doctors figured it out because it really took someone like her who was an expert in gymnastics and really understood the landings and the movement patterns and understood all of that, you know, versus you go to the doctor and they just, they do imaging and yeah, they, they probably do some sort of, you know, physical assessment and manipulation, but it really took an expert like her who, who spoke gymnastics and I could tell her how it hurt, you know, when I tumbled, when I landed short, you know, how it started and she immediately, you know, could then relate that in her brain to the anatomy and figured it out. So I share those two stories because I think it's important as a parent to recognize that you still have a lot more influence and power than you think, even if your gymnast is 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, and just rolls, your, rolls their eyes at you when you suggest you know working on nutrition or getting psychological support for a mental block or anxiety or something like that. And when it comes to nutrition, there are a lot of dangers of just doing whatever your gymnast wants, right? Like, let me tell you all the ways. One, if you just feed your gymnast healthy, or they just say like, I'm eating clean, or all of a sudden I'm vegan or X, Y, Z, um, you might assume everything is fine. And that might even give you kind of a false sense of security that they know what they're doing, that their nutrition is fine. And it's not something that we need to look further into when I can promise you it's probably an issue. Number two is you don't know what you don't know. And so as a parent, there's probably a lot that you don't know about nutrition under fueling. And if you don't know that your gymnast certainly doesn't know that. So then if you're asking them if they want help with nutrition, it's like both of you have this knowledge deficit, which again is not your fault, right? Gymnastics does not do a great job of teaching gymnasts and parents how to fuel to support, you know, high levels of high intensity training. Um, but, but two wrongs don't make a right. You hear what I'm saying? Number three, I like to use this example. When your teenager starts to drive, they'd probably tell you that they don't need a seatbelt, that they are an incredibly safe driver. But we know that that is untrue, which I feel like this isn't as big of a deal. Like I remember when I was a kid, which is a long time ago now, um, seatbelts were kind of up for debate. I mean, it was definitely a law that you had to wear your seatbelt. But I remember as a little kid, like it was uncool. Like, you know, only the cool parents would let their kids like not wear seatbelts in the car. Right. Which even saying that in this day and age, like everyone's like, Oh my gosh, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. We all know that a seatbelt could save your life and and save you from all sorts of issues. So as a parent, more than likely, you don't let your teenager drive without a seatbelt. Like they know that that is just a non-negotiable, but if you ask them if they needed a seatbelt, especially, you know, if they were raised in my era, Um, they might tell you that they don't need one, that they're a safe driver and that nothing is bad, bad is going to happen. And it's all going to be fine. And part of that is because the adolescent prefrontal cortex, which is our kind of thought decision making kind of future pacing area of the brain is not fully developed. So it's difficult for them to kind of forward think and kind of, you know, trace things along what could potentially happen. So What do you do when your gymnast doesn't want support with nutrition? I would say that these are probably the three or four most common reasons that I hear from parents. And I want to share with you kind of my thoughts for each of them, um, and maybe something that might help you to help your gymnast. So number one, probably most commonly when parents tell us that their gymnast doesn't want help with nutrition is because their gymnast thinks that working on nutrition or working with a sports dietitian, they think that it's about restriction and they're terrified that if they engage in working with this nutritionist that said nutritionist is going to take away everything yummy is going to judge them and their food and their body and their weight. And so why in the world would they want to work with someone like that? And unfortunately, um, that experience is still all too common in the sport world and the gymnastics world. There are unfortunately some very bad people out there that you know, we'll put your 10 year old kid on a rigid diet that will tell your 11 year old that they can only have a cheat meal once a week or that they can't eat any sugar. Like I can't tell you how many gymnasts I work with at 15 or 16 who have had disordered eating for years and years because of the nutritionist that their parents hired when they were younger, which again, I don't fault them. You only know what you know at the time and the information that you have available to you. Um, but we work with a lot of gymnasts who have previously had a really bad experience or. Um, they've just heard a lot of kind of negative things about working on nutrition or working with a dietitian. So why would they want that? The second reason kind of just follows suit with the first is sometimes gymnasts have already had a bad experience with nutritionists, maybe working one-on-one, maybe a nutritionist who's hired to come in to talk to their club, uh, maybe in health class and biology. And so again, to them, it's been something that's very negative. It's about restriction. It's about, you know, good versus bad, healthy versus unhealthy. Um, and and often just totally unrealistic, especially when they're training 23 hours a week and and they're hungry, right? The third reason why your gymnast may not want support with nutrition is because of how food and bodies are talked about in the home. Um, I have a lot of parents who don't want to bring up nutrition because they're worried that if they even mention it, that their gymnast is going to assume that the parent thinks something's wrong with food or their body which could come from the parent's own experience it could come from teammates like there's all sorts of reasons that could kind of crop up um but again that's why we have to frame nutrition around fueling for performance right this is about performance nutrition it's about adequacy it's about making sure that your gymnast's body has all of the nutrition and the building blocks available to it to grow and develop, repair, recover, and adapt or get better and stronger from their training. The whole point of working on nutrition is to help your gymnast to progress in the gym, to feel good in her body, and to stay healthy. And all of that is in support of her or him reaching their goals. But again, because of maybe previous experiences or experiences of other people they've heard about, or even just seeing things on social media... Um, it makes sense that either parents are worried if they bring it up, it's going to give their gymnast a complex or the gymnast is already concerned and, you know, won't even go there in terms of discussion. The fourth reason that often we see gymnasts, you know, don't want to work one-on-one with nutrition or just don't even want their parents to join a nutrition program is because they're worried that they're just going to get nagged at. And like I said earlier, there is a big difference as a parent between you know, nagging your kid about eating their broccoli versus making sure that they're eating enough to keep them safe and keep them healthy and allow their body to repair and recover. Um, No one's going to argue that, you know, broccoli is, you know, unhealthy, right? Of course, broccoli is good for us, but I can assure you that if your kid is under fueling, it doesn't matter how much broccoli they eat, that that's not going to be enough to help them repair and to recover. So even when we work with some of the pickiest eaters, and I'm, I'm saying these kids even meet criteria for um, clinical diagnoses of things like ARFID, which is avoidant restrictive food intake disorder, you know, for those situations, I'm like, look, there is no pressure here. I don't care if you ever eat a vegetable. The most important thing is we have to get you fed. And for a lot of these kids, they really do only have maybe 10 or 15 maybe 20 foods that feel safe to them and that are acceptable and their parents know that they're picky and they've been chastised about it for years and years and years. And so for them, it's such a relief when I come in and I'm like, look, I think it's awesome that you eat these 10 foods. There is a variety of protein, carbs, and fat here. Like we can make that work. You know, is it ideal to eat the same thing every single day? No. Is it ideal to never eat a fruit or vegetable? No." But the bigger priority here is making sure that they're fed adequately and kind of on a tangent, something that people don't know about picky eating is that if your kid is underfueled, the brain is going to perceive new foods as a threat. So if you already have a picky eater and now you're nagging them to eat clean or eat the broccoli or whatever, you're only making the situation worse because in their underfed state, their brain is perceiving those foods as a threat. So yes, it is great to have a long-term goal of helping them to expand their dietary variety, to learn to eat the fruits and vegetables and all the things, but that can't happen until we close the recovery gap and make sure that they're properly fed to begin with. Now on the flip side of that is the, the whole concept of safety and adequacy. And it is your job as a parent, it is your duty and responsibility to ensure that your gymnast is getting enough nutrition to be safe At three to four, five hours of practice a day, five to six, seven days a week, and make sure that they're getting enough nutrition to repair and to recover. Because here's the deal. At 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 years old, they are not mature enough to be able to step back and look at their growth charts and look at their nutrition and look at their development and look at their performance and make an educated decision about whether or not they're eating enough to support that, right? That's going to come from your assessment. It's going to come from working with a trained sports dietitian, with pediatrician's input. And just like it's your job, you know, if they have, you know, some sort of illness and they have to take a medication, it's your job to make sure they take that medication no matter how much they hate it, no matter how much they detest it or are kicking or screaming. If that is a life saving medication, you're going to do everything in your power as a parent to make sure that they take it. And that's the view that we need to have on the whole concept of adequate fueling and safety, right? It's your job as a parent to make sure that your kid is going to practice fully fueled so that her brain and body have the best fighting chance of keeping her safe when she or he is engaging in really dangerous skills, right? I mean, I think we often forget about the level of risk that is involved, um there have you know been tragic injuries over the years that again often injuries are accidental and have nothing to do with nutrition but at the same time there are a lot of injuries that do relate to underfueling and even just when the brain is underfueled and it can't make um those split second decisions you know as quickly as needed to keep them safe so this is something that we teach in our programs and our one-on-one coaching um, we call it emotion focused coaching of how do you Hold the space for your gymnasts. How do you support them in making sure that they're eating enough, even when it's hard, even when it's challenging, even when they're giving you some pushback? In the perfect world, gymnasts would be bought in in terms of working on nutrition from the onset. But sometimes they need a little bit of coaxing to buy in along the way. And what I often find is that even if they're resistant at first, just like I was about seeing the physical therapist for my Achilles tendons. When they see and feel themselves feeling better and performing better with the right nutrition, often that is what is needed to get them a little bit more buy-in. So the good news is that you still have a lot of influence as a parent. There is so much that you can do with their nutrition behind the scenes. You are still the one that is buying food. You're preparing the food. You're bringing them the food. Um, And and I think that is something that we shouldn't overlook. I mean, yes, most gymnasts are incredibly mature beyond their years, but even for my elite gymnasts, honestly, their parents may play an even bigger role in their nutrition, at least in the provisional part, um, because they are so incredibly busy. So if you'd like support with helping your gymnast, if you have gotten some resistance from your gymnast in terms of wanting to support them with nutrition, but they're not sure um, maybe you've had a bad experience before. I fully really encourage you to reach out. Um, I will tell you that parents who go through our self-paced course, who do our program, will say that our approach to nutrition is a breath of fresh air. It's realistic. It's sustainable. Um, it's what I kind of describe as the B plus approach to nutrition, where. I don't believe that nutrition is perfect. I don't I don't think it can be. That's it's impossible. And I think nutrition has to work for you. It has to work for your gymnast. It has to be something that we enjoy and that we can do day in and day out. So if you're not sure what to do, feel free to reach out, send me an email, shoot me a DM on Instagram. And then if you know that you need support and you know that maybe your gymnast isn't quite ready, but they'll probably get on board along the way, I'd encourage you to hop on the wait list for the next round of our VIP program. This is our signature three month live program. It also includes an option for one-on-one support from me though. I'll tell you that's not necessary. Our program members get incredible results when they show up to the live sessions, when they engage in the private community, when they, you know, ask questions, they ask for support. Um, They get incredible results for their gymnast. And that to me is, is absolutely priceless. So I hope today's episode was just a word of encouragement for you. Um, Definitely was pretty vulnerable, kind of airing my dirty laundry here. And like I said, my parents did so many things that were right along the way. And at the same time, looking back, there are things that I wish they had stood their ground on. I wish that they had been a little bit more insistent despite my kicking and screaming and pushback um, or despite my, you know, kind of gymnast maturity I'm fine, everything's fine. I have everything together. Because the reality is none of us have it all together. All of us need support, um, especially when you're a teenager and you're trying to figure things out. You're trying how to manage things, trying to figure out how to manage things on your own. Um, and needing some parental support is not a failure. And it's often something that can help them unlock a new level of health and happiness and, and performance. So With that, as always, if you are enjoying the podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would go to iTunes and give it um, a rating and review. This is the only way um, to help promote and spread this podcast. This is a passion project of mine. It's another free resource for you all that um, I know you find helpful. And I so appreciate when you email me, when you DM me, Um, you know, it's, it's like having me in your back pocket. I know when you're picking your gymnast up from practice or you're traveling to a competition. And so... Um, I welcome any, all you know, feedback. And if this has been helpful for you, um, please let us know that as well. So with that, I'll see you guys next week. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the gymnast nutritionist podcast sponsored by the balanced gymnast method course. Make sure to hit the subscribe or follow button. So you don't miss out on any episodes. You can find any links that we mentioned in the show notes of the episode and also how you can work with us. If you're looking to learn to fuel your gymnast for optimal performance without the stress or overwhelm, feel free to email us. If you have any questions, you can reach us at support at ChristinaAndersonRDN.com. Share what's going on and we'll get back to you. Or you can learn more about our programs by going to our website, ChristinaAndersonRDN.com work with us. Bye for now.